This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to an all-new episode of Dirtcast. I am Jezebel's Madeline Davies. I am Dead spins, Bobby Finger. Just hey, kidding. I'm just that's kidding. That's not true. I'm just kidding. I write for Jezebel.com. Yes, not we write for Jezebel. I don't even know what Deadspin is, to be honest. Yeah, it's, yeah I I've no never idea. heard of it. I don't I've know why never, I said it. I've never clicked on it. <laughs> never clicked on Deadspin. Uh, I was telling you earlier that I watched three basketball games. I can't believe that. This weekend. And... I can't believe it. I I mean, like the amount the same, that I no, you I don't said know. you watch them in the same day. That's wild. Yeah, I watch them in the same day. Three basketball games on one day. I know. It was. Um, what were the? Who were the teams? Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was the college one and the, the other college. They're one. all yeah. They're all. <laughs> um, Iowa was one of them. Iowa they they basketball they play basketball. Yeah. St. Mary's was one of them. Saint and then there was another one that I can't remember. What is St. Mary's? I don't know, Bobby. I can't even remember what I'm talking about. Um, like Tennessee Mountain State is like one of the... <laughs> Point being, I watched a lot of sports and mm-hmm. um, it made me uncomfortable, frankly. Because what makes us comfortable is... Dirty Dirt and Celebrities. Dirty Dirt and Celebrities. And we've got some really good Dirty Dirt this week. So there's kind of been a very big disruption in the celebrity news industry in the past week. Us Weekly formerly under the banner of Wenner Media, which also includes Rolling Stone, has been purchased by American Media, which is a very different sort of company. different sort of company. American Media also owns such titles as The National Enquirer and Radar Online. The thing about uh, The National Enquirer and Radar Online is that they are among the nastiest celebrity gossip reporting Mm -hmm. sites and uh, magazines. And they are among the most conservative. And so you've kind of been seeing this shift at Us Weekly in the past couple months where they have been running a lot of really pro-Trump family pieces. Mm -hmm. There's been just like a shift in content. And now this major sale has happened. And it looks like a lot of people are going to get laid off. Like that's kind of what's been hinted at. That's the rumor, yeah. So our guest today, Amy Vinceguera, she was deputy managing editor of Us Weekly in – kind of the mid to late aughts. One of the things I've learned in my career is that if a media company or any kind of business focuses only on the step right before revenue, think about only the thing that's going to give you the big money. Ironically, you're not going to get the big money. She worked under Janice Min, who recently published a an explosive, a very fun read on BuzzFeed called 26 Things You Didn't Know About Us Weekly. That a fun included, little play on a... On a, on, a, on a beloved feature that included such nuggets as Us Weekly printed money every just by the very act of publishing an issue of us weekly winter media made millions of dollars on ad sales it was a it was a cash cow it was a cash cow and apparently it was quite a time to work at the company and amy has some really great anecdotes and insights so before we get into our interview what time is it bobby it's time for the dirtiest dirt of the week 
Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. Little known fact, that theme song was written by Alan Thicke. God. <laughs> oh, may he may he rest in peace. May he live on through his songs. May he live on through songs. <laughs> so let's talk about what's the dirtiest dirt, Bob. The dirtiest dirt of the week. The first, I mean, the first thing we're going to talk about is like right up your, right up your alley. So the dirtiest dirt of the week is involving a little show called America's Next Top Model, hosted by a little celebrity named Rita Ora. And when you say little celebrity, you mean? I mean, in terms of stature, like I'm terms of like both both sides, but in terms of like w- relative weight in the celebrity landscape. Yes. So it's easy to one not of the know, smallest celebrities. One of the smallest celebrities. It's easy to not know who Rita Ora is because she's all over the place. She's from the UK. She has a very like sort of nebulous existence in yeah. uh, in the world of celebrity. Tenuous. She's around in fashion in little little spurts. She's around on television because of America's Sex Top Model. She's in movies. She was in the Fifty Shades movies. Barely. She's Barely. wearing a mask for most of it. She released a few pretty big songs a few years ago, but hasn't released music in a long time. Yes. Um, she was rumored to have had an affair with Jay-Z at Rumored to. She was rumored to be Becky in Becky with the Good Hair, but I think... That's sort of been put to rest. I think that rumor has, has yeah. yes, been put to rest. Um, I think Rita Ora, but Rita sort of leaned into that rumor also with, mm-hmm. with Kate. Also, along with, that rumor existed long before Lemonade came oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He only want me when I'm not there. He better call Becky with the good hair. So Rita Ora is someone who is around a lot. Mm-hmm. She's interviewed a lot. And... Um, but despite that, when she got the job as the new host of America's Next Top Model, people were like, what? Yeah. Right? Because, again, she can be, like, prolific without somehow really? uh, making a dent. Right. Without making a dent. And so but I think the most notable thing, despite the fact that she's just not hugely famous, is that she's not a model. No. And so I have not watched many episodes of the new season of America's Next Top Model. I've watched two or three. Yes. Something. Have you watched any of it? I have. You're right. So it's really weird. They don't focus on modeling as much as Tyra did. Sure. She's very, I think, I think they're trying to be forward thinking. a little bit. Right. Yeah. So they're trying to think like, well, what does modeling look like in 2017? Yes. And a lot of what it looks like is social media. So the two episodes that I saw were heavily focused on like Snapchat and like building your brand and like making sure you have a good follower count, which mm-hmm. like makes sense for Rita Ora because she does excel in that. Sure. That's um, kind of like the thing she excels in. Yeah. And like just, again, yeah. existing. Yeah, existing. And getting people to notice that she exists. Yes. But not necessarily knowing why. The The actual model on that show, Ashley Graham, is just a judge. She's not yes. the host. So... This show happens. I think it does okay. It did well. The premiere did well. But yeah, then, I found her actually to be a very warm host. She's considerably more charming and photogenic, telegenic. Yeah, telegenic. Than I yeah. Um, she's really good on television. Yeah. And that's that's all well and good, but the show isn't really America's Next Top Model anymore. No. It's not the same thing. And so the news that broke, we had seen this in the tabloids. Excuse me. You'll find out later. We're not supposed to call them tabloids. We're supposed to call them celebrity weeklies. Anyway, we had seen that there was rumored tension between Tyra, who is remains the creator and executive producer of the show, despite the fact that she doesn't appear on camera, between Rita and Tyra. Yes. Um, but it wasn't until last week, end of the day, last week, Friday, yeah, that 
it was revealed Thursday night, maybe actually, that Tyra Banks was booting Rita Ora from host status and taking the show back for herself. She was reclaiming the throne. Yeah. It was a coup, really. Yeah. At the end, it's, it's like you, you would get to the end of this America's Necktop model episode and Tyra would be standing there with the two pictures or the one picture, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just the winner. And she would turn it around and, and it would her. be a picture of herself, which actually is not, would not be crazy for Tyra Banks. Yeah. Who once gave Miley Cyrus a photo of herself framed for mm-hmm. Miley Cyrus's 16th birthday. So what I want to do is I'm going to give you this. This symbol- symbolizes me, and I'm so proud of you. Oh, my gosh. You're carrying the I, torch I, of the 16-year-olds. I could, like, not ask for a cooler present. Really? That is really awesome. So I'm going to take a picture of us right yay. now, and then I'm going to send you another Tiffany frame. And then you can put us in there Oh, yay! I can put it in my room. I'm so excited. And the kind of one, two, three. This is, like, completely typical Tyra behavior. Yeah, Tyra's like, oh, wait, I want that back. I she want that. She wants it back. And also, which I think you pointed out, Immediately in Slack, she just took the job of America's Got Talent host. She just took that job from Nick Cannon. So she's going to be hosting two reality competition shows at the same time, right? ostensibly. And it was easy to read it as a dig against Rita, like, well, you're not doing well. Um, I'm going to take this show back and get it right on track. But as you can tell from their social media interactions, they're doing the best they can to make it seem like there's no hard feelings between yeah. the two of them. It's also like that show has been off track for years. It's Rita only, did not knock it off. Right. It's been on, at least Rita was doing something new, I guess. Like yeah. they needed to freshen up the formula because the formula wasn't working anymore. That's kind of why she left it's, in the first place. It had been a very long time since the like the in, the infamous I was rooting for you moment. When my mother yells at this, it's because she loves me. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you learn something from this? You go to bed at night, you lay there, and you take responsibility for yourself. Because nobody's going to take responsibility for you. Oh, wow. um, which is probably like peak top model. Peak top model. And that was, that was in the single digit aughts. Yeah. That was in like oh. 2008 or 2009. What a time. What a maybe. time to be alive. Um, it was a great time to be alive. So if you if you look at Twitter Thursday, last Thursday... Tyra Banks revealed this in a tweet. Ms. at Rita Ora, you exemplify business boss brand to the fullest. Thank you for all the amazingness you brought to ANTM. Number one, I have... I've kissy. Kissy. So I find that when, you, when you're trying to be overly casual in yeah. a text or a tweet to someone, yeah. you're overcompensating. It's like, like how many exclamation points are you using? So many exclamation points, so many emojis. And it's like Ms. Rita Ora, like you're trying to make it seem like your close friends and your pals and that this is just normal, typical behavior between the two of you. Amazingness, not a word I love. I feel like that's a word you use when you're uncomfortable and you're, you're just, just like, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of like a condescending word too because it doesn't necessarily mean it in a, like amazing doesn't have to be flattering. Yeah. It's like telling someone that they're fascinating. And also <laughs> you exemplify business boss brand to the fullest is sort of a drag because what the hell is that? No. Like you, exe- you, you exemplify this thing that I personally cannot define to the fullest. Yeah, really cool. Like it's not like you exemplify television host extraordinaire yeah. to the fullest, right? Yeah. This is something that. What the hell does business boss brand mean? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean anything. You exemplify it to the fullest. She's basically saying nothing. Yeah. Um, and so Rita Ora, I love that. I love knowing that. Like, like how long do you think these tweets sat in the draft folder? Like when they were like, okay, we can. We have to have this exchange the moment the press release drops, but like how long, like when do you think they were written? 
<laughs> How long do you think they sat around? I mean, I think that I think that Rita did not write hers. <laughs> Rita responded like, thank you. It was such an honor. But I think that she at this point just like handed her phone to someone else and was like, you do it. I hadn't really taken in the last line of Rita's response to Tyra's, which is, as Maddie said, thank you, Tyra. Was such an honor. Oh, you are, by the way. And pleasure. I know. I just, it's just a <laughs> reminder. Uh, and pleasure being on your show, period. Everyone welcome Tyra back, which is just like the saddest way to end this. She's back. Like, imagine getting yeah. fired from your job and then, like, everyone welcome my replacement. Like, <laughs> here comes, like, J- Joe. Yeah. Like, definitely. if I got fired tomorrow and we're like, I'm out, but like, guys, this is Joe. He's like really cool. Um, I'll see you never. I'm so leaving. Tell me first, what's Joe's deal? <laughs> uh, it's just, it's very, I hadn't noticed that until just now. It's very strange. If, any, if anything, if anybody ever tried to remove you from the show, I would seppuku myself on the microphone. Well, isn't seppuku myself? Myself is redundant. Yeah, yeah, I would, you would just I, would, I would perform seppuku <laughs> with, with the mic. And then the video team, it's like, this would be better on video, actually. So uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get a camera in here. Let's get this lit correctly. I'm like, hand you the sword. It's like, here you go. Um, what I, like we said, this is, this makes sense for Tyra to do something like bombastic and kind of. She's so ridiculous. Kind of wild. Do you remember on her talk show when she um, wore the fat suit to like understand oh. what it was like to not be pretty? Yeah. She just like ended um, up sobbing on a street corner because no one was looking at her. So she's making all these headlines for taking the show back. But I don't, from like a business perspective, like why are you so invested in this model that really isn't working anymore? Like yeah. it's, instead of, she she has, like we said, she has the job at America's Got Talent. Like why not work with this new brand that right. you're new, fresh to and like try to make this something interesting why are you beating this dead horse over and over and over and over and over again i mean i feel like the, to like go like occam's razor most obvious answer is probably the right one i think it's ego i think for her it's like someone else is doing this thing now that used to be me mm-hmm. wait no wait i want it like you know like i think it's that's mm-hmm. i don't know that's very like in line with her personality it's I just can't see people. I, I can't see it lasting more than one season after this. Like she'll do it one more time, and then VH1 will say people still aren't watching. Yeah, we're gonna get another reality show on. Yeah, like Love and Hip Hop, wherever else. You know. Yeah, sure. I love the 2010s. Yeah, Celebrity Rehab, but like Mortuary Home Edition. <laughs> I don't know. Something really bleak. They're yes. gonna replace it with something bleak and sad that people will watch. That people will watch because we're all disgusting pigs. But having said that. Rita will be fine. She has she took the opportunity to plug her new music. Mm-hmm. She now has suggested that because she has the free time now, she'll be able to finally finish that next album. Rita will always find a way. Rita will find a way and she'll start doing um another thing that we won't another, be able to remark another on. Another <laughs> thing. Another thing. What else is dirty this week, Maddie? Do you want to talk to me about the best Instagram account? Do I ever? The best Instagram account of all the Instagram accounts. Yeah. Miss, Say it with me. Miss, Miss Tina, Tina Lawson. Lawson. 
Miss Tina Lawson. I would love to talk about Tina Lawson's Instagram. Beyonce's mother uh, is the star of Instagram. Yes. Um, Kara Brown, our our colleague, has written about this. Um, she's right. There's no one who comes close to being as fun and delightful. Every time a Tina Lawson Instagram appears on your feed, you're like, oh. I yeah. Feel like if, if and you're were, like, sound up. Sound up. I feel like if Instagram, if you could get like the Instagram analytics of like uh, audience engagement on Tina's content, I feel like there would be like uh, a noticeable increase in like time spent on each photo, time spent looking at the comments, mm-hmm. times actual, because I'm sure, because you know, they say like a lot of people don't turn the volume on on uh, Facebook Live. Yeah. It's like people probably take the time, like you said, to turn on the volume on the things. Watched a couple times because there are always these like hidden things that you want to pay attention to in the send scene. Send it and then like send it to a yeah. friend to be like, oh my God, Miss Tina. How many of her Instagrams are forwarded to more people than the average Instagram, you know? Because they're great. And one of her, her things is she has, um, a, she does like corny joke days. Hi, it's corny joke time. Why shouldn't you write with a broken pencil? Because it's pointless. And then she won't, she won't laugh. She'll just like smile. Yeah. And that, or like comment on how it's funny. Yeah. She'll be like, oh, that's extra corny. Yeah. And then like it just, and then she just goes away. And apparently Beyonce hates it. And she's in like the biggest, she's in full glam always. Yeah. She always looks great. Yeah. And Beyonce hates it. And we know this not because a source talked to in touch or a source talked to someone. We know this because she told Instagram. Yeah. She told her followers that her daughter, Beyonce Knowles is sick of her doing this. <laughs> and she said, You know, Beyonce was telling me the other day that I shouldn't do corny jokes all the time. But I told her, when you get my age, you got to find your light. So if you find some good light, you're supposed to take advantage of it. And honestly, that's the light. She looks good in this light. She looks amazing. This is great light for her. Yeah. Okay, here you go. Um, what was it? Oh, um... What did one toilet say to the other? Oh my God, are you okay? Because you look flushed. I would be very upset if one day Tina stops doing corny jokes. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's kind of sweet in that it is just like such like a daughter reaction. Like, Mm -hmm. mom, you got to stop doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, shut up, Beyonce. Shut up, Beyonce. What do you know about success? (laughs) And I, I would say, thinking about it now... Maybe Beyonce sees them more often because I'm sure Beyonce doesn't look at many other Instagram accounts like Kelly Rowland, Tina Knowles, Michelle Williams on a good day. Yeah. And so Solange. She, Solange on a good day, maybe. <laughs> um, but she's probably seeing them more frequently and she's like, oh my God. And maybe she's not looking at I it would be it's it's understandable to think that like she doesn't understand that other people could be endeared yeah. by her. But I also think that this is just another like brilliant Knowles family marketing scheme where it's like, she told me this was annoying, but look at me. I'm now a celebrity in my own right. <laughs> or it's just like, maybe Beyonce never even said that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Or if she did, maybe it was like a part of a curated plan. Or maybe it was a joke. Maybe Beyonce didn't mean it. Never believe anything. Never believe anything, especially the most famous people. Yeah. Because there's a reason. They're the most famous people. True. Hey, it's K. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So today in the studio, we have a very special guest who's going to share her expertise on a topic that we've been discussing, Mm -hmm. um, which is the acquisition of Us Weekly by American Media. Um, And we have former deputy managing editor, Amy Vinciguera. Hi, Amy. Hi, guys. (laughs) Good to have you. Yeah, thanks for coming. Pleasure to be here. Let's just like dig right in. And can you just talk about your career at Us Weekly, you know, what you did there, um, what the work culture was like. Absolutely. So I landed myself a job as an ad sales assistant as a sort of foot in the door kind of thing. We had to sub in for the assistant to the head of the company under Jan. His name was Kent Brownridge. He was the general manager and senior vice president. He was the yin to Jan's yang. He was... um, the businessman, full suit every day. He helped kind of steer the company from when he joined Jan um, in the 70s, I believe, or even the late 60s from when they were in San Francisco. I subbed in. He liked me. His former assistant wanted to move on to another role in the company. And I worked for him for almost two years. It was like a master's degree in in media. Yeah. He handled, he oversaw every single thing in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a ton of Rolling Stone International editions, which was really fascinating because they would come for conferences. And Us Weekly was the crown jewel. Which must have driven Rolling Stone insane. <laughs> you know, that is the funniest part <laughs> is it did not drive Rolling Stone insane. Um, the, and I think part of the reason Janice created the 25 or 26 things you don't know about Us Weekly that we all recently read and chuckled at. Right. Um, oh, yeah, that on was BuzzFeed, great. Yeah. On BuzzFeed was because, oddly enough, even though our numbers were maybe 4x that on the newsstand of Rolling Stone. Wow. And our revenue was probably, I'm estimating, but maybe like 2x at the time. Mm-hmm. Rolling Stone was treated as sort of the prodigal son, and we were treated as kind of like this unsavory stepchild. But I started when Bonnie Fuller was editor-in-chief, and she brought the magazine weekly. She brought it to an incredible, probably approximately 700, 750,000 copies sold per week. Wow. And then Bonnie. Our girl Bonnie. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Bonnie had a gift for the sensational and for, you know, giving people some really tasty morsels. Yeah, Mm -hmm. still does. Still Mm -hmm. does, still does, absolutely. (laughs) But when Bonnie left and Janice took over, um, things really changed. Yeah. Janice nearly doubled Bonnie's circulation on the newsstand. Wow. Janice, one of her special gifts, among many, many, is to take something that exists and make it way better. Yeah. She sees things that people don't see. And she sees potential in things, uh, people, in stories, in magazines that other people don't see, and she elevates it to that level. So the 
key editorial leaders were very involved with Jan and Kent every single week. The covers were tested. There were meetings to decide which of several covers would be the winner. Us was such a cash cow, honestly, at the time. The Mm. numbers were so huge. The business side was involved, but not to the degree of deciding what went on the cover, but they would rather weigh in on which of the final covers would then go to the newsstand. Mm. I have worked in some incredible places since, but there is nothing like Us Weekly in those days. It was a moment in time where a lot of things came together. It was a time when reality TV was really on the rise. Mm -hmm. So this look at celebrity culture and really pop culture that us did sort of rose in parallel with the rise, the really the the tipping point, I think, of reality TV. Mm -hmm. When it went from the early days of the real world and TLC shows to then, you know, what we have now. Right, where it's just every single network has several reality TV programs. <laughs> and it's completely oversaturated, mm-hmm. which I believe the celebrity space is completely oversaturated now as well, hence David Pecker rolling them into one company. Um, but there were celebrity weeklies and there was Us Weekly. Us took a time when celebrity weeklies were kind of seen as like unsavory and just kind of this candy and elevated it to a point where we not only captured the zeitgeist of the moment, but we're actually creating the zeitgeist part of, of it, the moment, yeah. part of the part mm-hmm. of it. And and people at the time was big, but people would do these cooperatives with celebrities. So they'd get those baby photos and they'd pay right. incredible amounts of money for them. Mm-hmm. And one thing I will say that was very smart of Jan was we were not allowed to pay over a certain amount for a photo. And we did not pay or bid for those baby photos because the ROI on a $2 million photo, even at the height of sale, wasn't much. Okay. So during those times when there'd be a big wedding or there was some huge cooperative, we would be working on and investing in, reporting on what news can we break? What news can we actually create? Mm-hmm. There was constant just talking and discussion and a dialogue with the reader in an analog way and in a time when it was print magazines. But then Janice had that gut and that instinct to take that data and create it into a story. Yeah. Um, You know, Henry Ford said, if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Yeah. So you can't just take what the reader says they want. Janice had a knack and our whole team had a knack under her leadership of delivering, and Us Weekly still does today, delivering the reader what they never knew they always wanted. Well, and I think everyone, and I like include you, Bobby and I, more mm-hmm. than most people, likes to think that we're smarter than kind of, or like that we like more highbrow things than what we actually kind of like at our lowest moments, where it's like when you're on an airplane or something, you you want to, you want that page turner of a magazine. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to admit that that's what you want necessarily. Yeah. And Us Weekly always, Us Weekly filled the void of like, you wanted that, but you didn't want to be embarrassed reading it in public. Yeah. Like there's never, there's nothing really shameful about reading Us Weekly in public as opposed to like maybe being caught reading the National Enquirer. Right. Like Us Weekly was, there was always like something very fun about it. And it was, it was kind of smarter too. Like it wasn't, it wasn't low, it wasn't lowest common denominator really because it was. Oh, I yeah, and I more mean like it's 
it's really smart to um, pay attention to, like, what the numbers and say mm-hmm. as opposed to just, like, asking people, like, what do you want? Because everyone wants to, you know, sound a little more highfalutin. What I, I did want to ask about the focus groups. How did those – how were those operating? Like, what kinds of questions did you ask these people? What was, like – what did you want to get from – readers, the readership when they came in for focus groups. So it was Janice that would go and Mike Steele, her deputy. And then we had a whole research team who would focus on that. But when I talk about the real research that was being done, it was the fact that we invested so heavily in reporting Mm -hmm. that there were just constant conversations being had by our reporters everywhere. And a lot of people ask about our relationships with the celebrities. And while people definitely had a lot of cooperatives that you would see in terms of exclusive wedding photos and exclusive baby photos, Mm -hmm. we didn't necessarily have that externally clear relationship with them. But I can't tell you the number of times that the source on the record for the story at us was the celebrity themselves. (laughs) That is so unshocking, but I'm so happy to learn it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I I remember seeing the pap photos, and Janice alluded to this in and talked about it in in her BuzzFeed, but I remember seeing a different instance where the pap photos came in and this one celebrity's fiancé is looking at the camera like, oh, my God, how did you know we were here at the (laughs) Ivy? It's like, first of all, it's the Ivy. Right. If you don't don't think you're being papped at the Ivy, then there's something wrong with you. But— she had completely given us all the information mm-hmm. about the engagement, had told us where she'd be and who she'd be with. Uh, her fiancé did not know that she was doing that, but Aww. she was our source on the record. So true love. I cannot tell you the number of instances where that was the case, where either it was the PR of the celebrity or the, literally the celebrity themselves. There's one still famous today uh, reality star who— I'd look over at our deputy news director and she'd be taking down notes and that celebrity was so kind as to be even like writing the caption (laughs) 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 for us because she's just that good at managing her her brand. But Mm -hmm. um, it was a more constant conversation with people in the office, people we knew. To your point about um, sort of the guilty pleasure, Mm -hmm. a friend of mine, not that for me to sort of name drop these people, but she had some friends from college who had gone on to do really incredible things. One was a PhD from Cambridge. One was a Yale-educated doctor who was chief resident, and the two of them (laughs) would clamor every week to grab the Us Weekly. Mm -hmm. They loved, people would say they loved gossiping about people that they didn't know. And there's like, it's very low stakes for the reader. Very low stakes for the reader. One of the things I've learned in my career is that if, a media company or any kind of business focuses only on the step right before revenue. Think about only the thing that's going to give you the big money. Ironically, you're not going to get the big money. Mm-hmm. If you look further down earlier in the process, almost like an assembly line, that's where the true ideas start and where investment is really important because you will get a better thing to choose from when you get to that point of decision mm-hmm. if you're asking the right questions and investing in not just finding the news, but creating the news, which mm-hmm. was something that us did in a great way. And not to mention, from a pop culture perspective, we had, during the primaries, we had 
Michelle Obama and Bill Clinton write open letters as to why you should vote for their spouse. <laughs> we had an incredible cover story on Scientology. And we could go places that I don't think other outlets could. And frankly, Rolling Stone often couldn't. I mean, they did incredible investigative journalism at, at Rolling Stone. I'm, I'm sad to see what... Rolling Stone has been going through because there are so so many incredible stories and and news breaking yeah. areas that they've uncovered. But because we were not the favored child, we didn't have the same oversight that Rolling Stone did. So that's, you guys got to be like the Prince Harry. We got to be the Prince <laughs> Harry. We really got to be the Prince Harry. Like, and then ultimately more attractive. Who would have yes, known? Who knew? <laughs> Passing on the left and becoming, you know. <laughs> very good looking, very good looking ginger. Um, yeah, so we didn't get back proofs that said rewrite FOJ mm-hmm. like Rolling Stone would if it was a friend okay. of Jan's and he wanted it written differently. Our editorial team had to deliver. And frankly, I think Jan thought, okay, well, they're getting it done, so I'll let them get it done. That sort of leads into what's happening now, where now that Us Weekly is being acquired by American media it seems like they're going to have more people hovering over them. There isn't going to be that that Janus anymore. It doesn't. I don't know a ton about what will happen other than I still have some very, very good friends who are at us. There's still some incredibly talented people there. Mm-hmm. But no, I have to imagine I can only speculate, but the whole point is to make money. And David Pecker, we know, likes to make money and mm-hmm. – I won't even say anything about his standards. I think they speak for themselves when you see the covers that he creates. And I know they're buying us for the value that it brings and how strong the brand still is, but there's just no way he could operate three celebrity weeklies and the Inquirer and keep us to the standards that it's been at and Mm -hmm. also keep the staff intact. It just wouldn't Mm -hmm. make sense financially for that investment for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a shakeup and probably for... I mean, we don't know. Probably for the worst. Mm -hmm. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Giulio Gallarotti, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Did you notice a time, like a noticeable point in the history of Us Weekly when celebrities started getting more power to release things themselves? Or had you left before that actually started becoming a problem? I'd left before that became a problem. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting you say that because... Celebrities were always doing that. Social media just became a new tool and mm-hmm. a better medium for them to go direct to the to the reader. But like when I was saying, everything we did went through, at least for comment, went through to the celebrity and to their PR and many for comment. But like I said, many times they were the ones dictating. And it, it is really mm-hmm. interesting. And 
another co- former colleague of mine, Lara Cohen, wrote something interesting on Medium about how celebrity culture, <sighs> the dark side is that it's a bit invasive, mm-hmm. but the celebrities know how to play the game. It is not mm-hmm. a coincidence that certain celebrities march their kids out who aren't seen otherwise when they have a project that they are promoting, even if that person has their sunglasses on and seems like they don't want to be seen. Right, yeah. They know how to use the media to their benefit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I said, I cannot tell you the number of times, probably the majority of times the celebrity was involved to some degree or their PR team was. So that's interesting. I I. Did not know that that every every single story was at least run by the celebrity or the celebrity's team. Or yes. it was, yeah. Wow. In fact, there was a time there was a couple who we had the first photo of them together on the cover, and the female both of their camps were uh, approached for comment, and then the celebrity herself called the office <laughs> and told our then, I believe it was the executive editor or our news director, that she hoped we all died of cancer. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Um, as soon as these mics are off. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, did that, did, when celebrities contacted the magazine, did they sort of just want to talk to anyone or were there certain people, like, did Janice get a lot of personal calls from people? Do you know, like, like who did they who do they reach out to if a celebrity has an issue? They would speak to our um, again, receptionist. Yeah, yeah. Receptionist. yeah, but like, does it go? Is that like, do you no, get a call we, from? We had um, Janice. Yes, did have specific conversations, but she had a lot on her plate between choosing covers, editing content, leading the team, meetings for every feature. So she really tasked the reporting team to handle that. God, I am like so in love with Janice just from yeah. a professional angle. Yeah. Like, I just am like, oh. I mean, if I could speak to that too, um, <laughs> we worked unbelievable hours at us. My 20s were spent working in the office. I mean, we tried to trade off late nights, but I'd be in the office till about 10 or 11 on Fridays. And on Mondays, we'd come in at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And we would leave anywhere between 1, 2, 3, 4. And the latest I ever left on a close was 5 a.m. the following day. <sighs> and that was better than the Bonnie days. 5 a.m. Tuesday mornings is when they go off to, mornings to press. 5 a.m. Tuesday mornings is when it went off yeah. to press. That one, when I left at 5 a.m., was when Michael Jackson died. Uh-huh. Um, he died on a Friday. So we worked those incredible hours. But working for Janice, she had such high standards that you were constantly learning mm-hmm. and you were expected to deliver that push towards delivering something great yeah. and to her standards with such a clear purpose. We knew who we were. We knew what we were delivering. We knew what the reader wanted. And that gave you such purpose and such a feeling of, of mastery that you were becoming better. That made it feel like we weren't really working that long of hours. Which I, is insane. No, I mean, it's, I love that. It's very that. touching. It I also, just love to know this about my favorite magazine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, it's, and there is a certain magic to it of that instinct and that, that story that was that dad of eight, you know, on that little, little show on TLC is, is cheating <laughs> on his wife. Would that make you care about the show? And I said to Janice, yeah, wait, he's cheating on it. Wait, with who? Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> eight kids. And he's, and then we had a stringer member of, I think it was eight consecutive over a million sales. Wow. So a million copies in a week, eight consecutive. And I would have friends say to me, 
please stop putting John and Kate on the cover. And I'd have to say, please stop buying it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so this is something that we've talked about before where like Bobby and I read the tabloids every week just as like a part of our jobs, but we do it anyway. Um, Celebrity Weekly, not tabloid. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Pardon me. (laughs) The Celebrity Weeklies. Excuse me. Mm. See, I'm learning a lot. Um, I hope so. And one thing we always remark on is just like, oh, God, another Jennifer Aniston cover or another Kate Middleton cover. Because to us, we're just like, ugh, again. I'm sick of them. But they sell well. Yeah. Right? Like, is that, we've, we had, we had a, a former employee of InTouch on the show. Okay. Of, okay, sorry. Yeah. A number of um, Rob weeks Shooter. Ago. Oh. And he was saying, <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's, not, he's not only any former oh, yeah, employee. So. He has quite a sorted so, background. So we yeah. had Rob, <laughs> and he was saying, and he was just saying, and he brought up the fact that, like, Jennifer's on the cover so all the, all the time because Jennifer sells. Um, and I, 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 I wanted to bring that up. And it's like, who, who are some of the other people who are, re- like, the, the good old reliables while you were there? Apart from John and Kate. I mean, Angelina mm-hmm. was always huge and reliable. Jennifer Aniston, yes, she was as well. Believe it or not, our best-selling cover was Janet Jackson. Really? It was her weight loss. Oh, um, like, I'm skinny. How I got skinny How or I got skinny. Oh. <laughs> Those covers always did well, the How oh. I Got Skinny, skinny covers. But for some reason, Janet's did incredibly well. Oh. I think people have a really important place in their hearts for the Jacksons. And Janet specifically is she's, she would con- she did come into the office. Our um, I guess he was an editor at large at the time. I forget what his direct role was. Ian Drew had a really strong relationship with the with the Jacksons, Janet specifically. She's just a lovely, sweet person. And I do think that that does show through. Mm-hmm. It is funny to me. People would always ask me, is so-and-so nice? Is so-and-so <laughs> nice? People really want to know if that celebrity is nice. Some of them are not. <laughs> right. I'll tell you that. They're human beings, yeah. but they're just like us. They really are. Um, but yeah, there were some that were incredibly nice. And the weight, yeah, weight loss covers did very well. It sometimes wasn't just about the marquee name. It was about the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that's the difference is... Sure, if you keep giving people sugary candy, they're going to eat it up. Mm-hmm. But you could also deliver them in a delicious meal, and they're going to love that. They yeah, might right. not say, you know, I'm eating this candy, but I'd really rather have, like, this in- incredibly well-thought-out creative meal. And that, to me, is the <laughs> difference, is you can keep pumping people full of sugar, or you can give them something interesting and engaging, mm-hmm. like I believe Us Weekly did do at the time. Um you can tell that you worked at Bon Appetit. Yes. I use a lot of food metaphors. I'm a big eater. Um, yeah, but I mean, food, we consume information the way we consume food. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'll take just, well, that Taco Bell is delicious. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of Taco Bell. But, you know, if we are given something that's better, we will take it. It's just we don't necessarily know. Like with user experience even today with digital, Users don't necessarily know or can articulate what they want and what will truly resonate with them, but it's on the innovators and the creatives and the UX people and the people who create that thing of consumption to create it in such a way that it's giving, it's fulfilling their needs in a way they didn't know they had a need. I imagine um, you can't answer this question, but can you tell us some of the people who weren't nice? 
I, I can't really answer that question other than I remember Peter Travers would have a, a lunch every year about Oscar contenders, and it would be very funny to hear him tell stories of, you know, certain people who were just really putting themselves out there and being so nice and wonderful, and it would just be great until after this Oscars is over and they can go back to being who they really are. <laughs> yeah. And I it would was, be fun to hear like, him allude yeah. to... Um, yeah, I mean, I could talk about, let's see. You can do it really as like nice. a blind item if you want. It doesn't have to. Well, there's a story that Janice told that um, I like a lot where we were reporting on a celebrity divorce. Mm-hmm. And that celebrity called Janice and said, you know, could you as a courtesy just wait? I haven't been able to tell my kids yet. Oh. Ooh. And she waited. That's well, actually, that's really yeah. great. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, okay would not do that. Yeah. And he's, he's a really, a really, he was a very, he's a very good person. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. again, who am I to decide if someone's good or not? He, he just, that to me is, is, um, is a nice thing. Yeah. Well, and again, anyone can like be nice. You know what I mean? Like you're the thing of like, in, until the Oscars are over when they can, it's like, yeah, I can like can show up to nice any meeting sure. and be nice, you know? And then it's just like, and then I can rip into my assistant once we're in the car. Like, yeah, you know, and, it's. They're actors. They are actors. And I mean, listen, there's shades of gray for any group of people. But as Dr. Drew said one time when we were interviewing him for a story, um, (laughs) some of these celebrities are not self-centered because they're celebrities. They are celebrities because they were Mm self-centered. And it's it's a rough world. And you do have to advocate for yourself and push. Celebrity can be a bit invasive. However, you do notice people who are not featured in mm-hmm. weeklies or online. And to some extent, that's that's by design. Yeah. The celebrities know how to stay out of the limelight as much as when they push themselves into it. They mm-hmm. know when they're being papped. They know where in L.A. to go and where not to go. Right. And yes, of course, people want privacy. But just the other side of that coin is, and Janice alluded to this in the BuzzFeed piece as well, there were certain celebrities who became huge celebrities and they were fairly large at the time who would call the paparazzi and tell them where they were so that they would yeah. be photographed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it's even more heinous and that it's like you see like Sheena from Vanderpump Rules resting on a pool with like her at a, at a pool with her back arched and like a box of hydroxy cut just aimed directly oh, at where yeah. the camera is. <laughs> like so it's like there's like this, you know, sponsored content involved. It's just, With the paparazzi, yeah. Yeah. What was or is, what remains your favorite feature of us? Like, the bag. Who wore it best? I love Love Lives. It really is sweet because it's, most of the time it was cooperative interviews. So it was people talking about their loved ones. And I loved that we always featured, always, gay couples the same way we did heterosexual couples. Mm-hmm. To the point where we won a GLAAD award for um, our coverage and that to me was it was nice. It was it was people sharing their love. Yeah. I mean, hot stuff was always fun because there was the <laughs> blind items and the mm. really juicy stuff. That was one of the last pages to close during a closed schedule so wow. we could really get in the hottest, juiciest news. I mean, just like anybody else, I loved mm. reading those little dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Of, <laughs> of juicy, juicy gossip. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's why I like just like the blind gossip websites I love so much. <laughs> the blind stuff is a lot of fun to try to figure out yeah. who does what. I'm very bad at it. I'm yeah. very bad at reading <laughs> yeah. the blinds. I always have to go into the comments of blind gossip and like like sort of get some ideas. And then it's like, okay, now I can figure it out. But that's always very yeah. fun. There was a lot we didn't publish. You know, right. if we didn't fully have a story, we couldn't publish it. Mm-hmm. So there was some fun, interesting things that didn't make it to print. Unless you have 
No. Another question. Bobby I have has one more one question. One more question that I'm it's desperate gonna, to ask. It's embarrassing. You can, you can just leave the room if you're sick of this. I just, I'm dying to know what's in your bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, Amy just ran out. <laughs> She's going left. I gotta go. No, um, I have a laptop. Mm-hmm. I have. Thank you notes oh, that laptop? need to be sent because I still believe in print. Oh, nice. <laughs> and the post office. And the post office, which I probably shouldn't. Um, I believe in print in some regards because sure. it's so like, my God, a, a written thank you note? That's yeah. so strange. But it's also like she worked so hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, someone took the time to mm. meet with me so I can take a moment to thank them. Yeah, I think that's great. With my terrible penmanship because I don't have spell check. <laughs> Just like uh, sprawled with your paper, left hand. If the paper got some red squiggles, if you got something wrong. Yeah, that, would that would be great. Be really nice. Yeah, Jana swoops in and, Let's invent and, that. and uh, spell checks all of your... A special e <laughs> Yeah. It's a large like Birkin-esque it's a, bag. It's a yes. large black tote. Large black tote. I have my... Embarrassingly, <laughs> I was talking about food, but I just got back from... A former colleague who's still actually at Rolling Stone, um, her wedding, and it was in New Orleans. So I ate everything. There are no more oysters there. Sorry, guys. I ate them oh, all. Well. Um, so I <laughs> they, have they my, found a good home. <laughs> I have my cleanse. I don't even know what you would call it. It's like it. a shake. Yeah, like oh, a shake. Shaker, it's a shaker. A shaker it's a shaker. Uh, so bottle. Yeah. Yeah. I I just Oftentimes need to uh, advertise by celebrities. On Instagram and in the Celebrity Weekly. Yes. Yeah. Um, if this uh, company wants to reach out, I am open to sponsorship <laughs> opportunities. <No>. Sure. <laughs> um, I just need to take it back to neutral, so I'm going to yeah. do a, a, a cleanse for a few days. Cool. All right, good. Well, good. I interesting hope that's great. No, I love made the what's in my bag. It, you know? I love that, too. It's a lot of fun. I love the thought of, like, imagining someone have to go having to go, like, get all the items and then, like— photograph them beautifully inside this bag because it's like that that process just seems really fun to me oh yeah hearing these stories about like all the ones that you've told and the ones that janice told in buzzfeed it so it like legitimizes i think like our 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 love for the magazine especially back then where it's just like right oh there's a reason we liked it as much as we did and yeah it's everyone like else a, it's liked like a tr- it. it's like, like a trickle down joy yeah. like starting from the top and it then really I, I probably never would have articulated that or mm-hmm. understood that but like to know that the people making the content had as much fun as the people reading it. We did. And, and I'm telling you, too, these are incredibly smart, talented people. Mm. And talk to any of us and we will defend and be, speak with as much passion about us as, as I am today. And I hope that that stays. I hope that the team stays intact and that mm-hmm. under Mike's leadership, because um, it's a it's still a really great and thriving brand. They're doing a ton online and with video, but David Pecker is a very different person than, yeah. than Jan. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Well, yeah. Amy, thank you so much for sitting down with us. I want to get off mic very quickly because I would like <laughs> to hear all those names that you would say on, on the cans. On the cans. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll have another conversation uh, when these microphones are off. But thank you so much. Thank it's, you. it's helping me relive a time that was really incredible in, in my past and people that I care a lot about. In keeping with 
our theme of the day, which mm. is Us Weekly, if that can be a theme. Yes, it this can. This is Us Weekly. I wanted to play a game that Us Weekly readers have played many, many times before. Oh, my God. And that game is Who Wore It Best? Oh. Um, so I have found recent editions of Who Wore It Best? And as you know, there are objective answers to all of these questions. Yes. Only one person can wear it best. Right. And there can be no argument. Oh, yes. No, nary a two-person can wear it best. No, no, no. Only one can wear it best. And the the person who wore it best is always decided by us weekly readers. Yes. What us weekly readers say is gospel. It's the truth. It is So true. I just want to see if you know who wore it best. And all of you listening at home can play along with myself and Madeline by visiting the Jezebel Post about this episode of Dirtcast in which I provided links to all of these very, very intense Who Wore It Best battles. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start with uh, these two these two lovely actresses. We have Ruth Nega, who mm-hmm. was in Loving, Loving. Uh, Oscar nominee this year. And then we have Jennifer Goodwin, who was not in any sort of Oscar-nominated movie. She's just on that show once. Upon a time. Upon a time. Yeah. Not, and she's not in the musical ones. The only the only reason she was at the Oscars is because of that like incestuous ABC stuff. So ABC show people mm-hmm. get to go to the Oscars. So she was there. They both wore very similar. Also, us. This was a stretch. I was a little annoyed that they even put this in here because they're not wearing the same dress. They're just wearing sort of visually similar, full length, a full arm red lace forward gowns. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to show you the image, and please tell me who you think wore it best. I'm going to say Ruth. Ruth wore it best. You got it right. Yeah, I knew it. Ruth wore it best uh, by just 8%. Ooh, so... It was close. Close. But in the end, she won, and there's there can be no doubt that she won. Next up, we have Lupita Nyong'o mm-hmm. and Beyonce. Oh. And they're wearing the same dress. Uh-oh. Albeit two years apart. It's a long, very uh, Grecian... Uh, green, maybe a, a, a is it, was that a neon? That's not quite neon. And then it has, it's lined, the neck is lined with flowers. Mm-hmm. Just tell me who wore it best, Lupita or Beyonce? This is going to be a really hard one. They both look hideous in it, don't they? They both yeah, look awful. Both two women who just wear clothes <laughs> terribly and who definitely don't look <laughs> luminous in a way that makes me want to put a bag over my head. <laughs> I am going to say, and this is really hard, and I think I might be wrong. <gasps> I'm going to say Beyonce. Ladies and gentlemen, who wore it best? Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce got 53% of the vote. Lupita only got 47. Loser. Wow. Loser. She looked awful. Yeah. She, she should have been embarrassed walking out like she that. Doesn't, she definitely doesn't look like an actual model. This... <laughs> This image I I find funny. Like one of the funny things about uh, who wore it best is that is that you notice that like fashion brings people together. Mm-hmm. You notice people from different walks of life. Both walks of life happen to be like paved in gold, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, very wealthy and successful walks of life. Sure, I'll be a different walks of life, wearing the same clothes. For instance, you have actress Drew Barrymore, American actress Drew Barrymore, wearing the same outfit as. Actual royalty Kate Middleton. 
And how would you describe that gown? I find it strange. I can't figure um, out what it's made yeah, of. Yeah, it's sort of like a Missoni, um, very like multicolored, almost a snakeskin print, but with like a lot of, um, it's just like geometric shapes. It's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and it's definitely Kate Middleton. She paired it with like a, like a, a shawl. A pashmina. A pashmina. Let's see who wore it best. Kate. This one is very sad. Can you, do you have any guess as to what the percentages were here? Because they weren't as tight as Jennifer and Ruth and Beyonce and Lupita. I'm going to say in the 60s to the 40s. It's Kate with 91% and Drew with 9 <laughs> <laughs> So I think Drew looked lovely in I it. I guess I the 60s and the 30s. That was not good math. <laughs> this isn't math cast. Math cast. So here's the thing that you can always rely on the public to do. Hmm. And that is always prefer thinner women. <laughs> Unless I mean, it's proof. like pregnant Beyonce, in which case she looks amazing. Yeah. Well, it doesn't when you're when you're pregnant with a, a literal like deity, you hmm. give the you give the baby bump a little uh <laughs> you're, you're more forgiving. Of, you're I'm glad we're forgiving. just like normalizing this no, I'm pregnancy. Just, I'm just, <laughs> uh so moving on, we have two very similar looking people. I know who one of them is. I always forget who the other one is. We've got Bella Hadid, mm-hmm. who is one of the Hadid children, <laughs> yeah, um, as, as is evident by her last name. Model, former girlfriend of The Weeknd. Daughter of Yolanda. Daughter of Yolanda. Sister of Gigi mm-hmm. and Anwar. Alongside Diana Agron. Mm-hmm. Of Glee. Of Glee, that's who she is. Yeah. Of Glee. They're both in a... She recently married a Mumford. They're in a son. I don't know. They're in a <laughs> they're in a very thin, a very strappy, lacy. Uh, what do you call that? A sweetheart top. They're in two different colors. Bella went with the sort of light blue. Diana went with the black. But they are definitely the same. They almost look like you converted lingerie into a a, a formal gown. Okay. Similar. I put this. I think this is interesting because they both look identical in it. <laughs> yes, and you can see Bella's nips. Bella opted to show her nips. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say Diana. Diana, you got it right. <laughs> I think I would like to assume that it's because of like, you know, a more like someone who'd be scandalized by nipples. No, like, it's because well, she's a blonde. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. It's because she's a blonde and she has like a she has a more wholesome look. These insights. Um, we have Bella at 30%, Diana at 70%. Dang. I don't know, you know, what Us Weekly says goes. Moving on. Yeah, that's so it is. This one, another lazy attempt um, at a game by Us Weekly. We have Emma Stone versus Gwyneth Paltrow. They're both just wearing pantsuits. They don't mm-hmm. look the same. It's just who can wear a pantsuit better. I don't need to describe a pantsuit to you guys. I mean, yeah, they're very different. Like, Emma Stone's is definitely more, like, inspired by, like, menswear. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a, like a, a plaid, a very light plaid, whereas Gwyneth's is just like a really sleek black. Very fitted. Yeah. This is, I think I'm going to get this wrong. Okay. But I'm going to tell you my reasons. Okay. I think people are going to vote Emma because she is more publicly likable. Okay. But I think Gwyneth looks way better. Emma wore best 56% versus 44 because people don't like Gwyneth. Yeah. Even though she does look better yeah she wore it best she wore it best but again i'm uh, i'm contradicting myself she no. wore it worst she wore it worst she wore it worst so we're gonna move to this one which i i love this comparison we're going to compare Haley steinfeld mm-hmm. singer actress 
Oscar-nominated actress. Yes. Edge of, of 17, True Grit. Mm-hmm. Friend of Taylor Swift. A, a true renaissance woman mm-hmm. with Amal Clooney. Best known for, what, being pregnant? She's done nothing else aside from, you know, carry the children of George Clooney. Bobby's being very sarcastic. I just want to make that (laughs) most clear, Uh, just explicitly clear. Very, very, very famous lawyer, uh, humanitarian activist, Amal Clooney. Yes. Wore the same strange dress inspired by... From the, it looks like you're wearing a oversized men's dress shirt backwards. Took off the sleeves, but then like put the sleeves somewhere else and then wrap them around your waist. Honestly, that's what it looks I like. I mean, the way you're describing it is is crazy. It's kind of crazy. Because like the weird thing that's tied, oh, yeah. the that sleeves. Oh, so strange. Um, I feel like it's a, supposed to be a comment on like wearing the boyfriend shirt. I want to say like the way Bobby described it, I'm like, I'm going to look at this and it's just going to be like a mock turtleneck and he just didn't. <laughs> didn't describe it right but he described it perfectly right it looks like you've just tied a men's shirt around yourself in a really freakish but way then cut, like move the sleeves to the waist it's weird um yeah anyway it's a mall a mall wore best 59 percent versus 41 percent. she I'm won slaying it at this game my last one is i thought yeah you've gotten them all right maddie just by the way you've gotten them all right i know that <laughs> you think i wasn't keeping moving on <laughs> we have a really a really vicious battle between two women who the media would like to paint as mortal enemies. Oh, no. Um, we've discussed this before. We don't know if they really are mortal enemies. I like to believe that they aren't. I like to believe that they're, they're pals. We've got Kate Middleton once again v. Meghan Markle. Oh, my God. That's and it's, so rude. And it's particularly rude because they are wearing very similar dresses. I would need... I would need a more critical eye. They might actually be the same dress. Kate is wearing a lace gown, full length, feet aren't even visible, that has sleeves, but the sleeves are like slightly more transparent. Like you can see the skin. You can't see any skin uh, in the rest of the body. Megan is wearing the exact same thing in navy as opposed to Kate's black, but she chopped it off at the thighs. Hell yeah, she did. So we've got two very different looks, and I That's feel what you like to do when you date the other, when you date the one who's not going to be king. And I feel like it was like us could have was salivating at this because it's exact. They're filling the exact same roles that we expect them to fill. It's like Kate's the traditional royal, mm-hmm. and Megan's the sexy American royal. Yeah. Um. So tell me who wore it best. I want who you think actually wore it best, and then who you think Us Weekly decided wore it best. Even if they're the same. I think both are Kate Middleton. The Duchess wins. It was cl- It's closer than you think, though. It was only 57% versus 43%. People were trying to get Megan Megan on there. Yeah. People like to see a little leg. Yeah. But, I mean, Kate Middleton's dress is, is just way nicer. It's very nice. Um, anyway, that's the game. Maddie, you got all of them right. I cleaned up. You know who wore it best. Well, thank you, Bobby. That was a good game. It was fine. It was good in that it like made me feel really good about myself. Good. That's all I'm trying to do ever. Can I say my friend recently described her daughter as being a sore loser and a sore winner? Like she's like an ungrateful she's an ungraceful loser and an ungraceful winner. How old is this kid? A child. Like a, <laughs> a, a child. In that like if she loses, she freaks out. If she wins, she like rubs it in your face or just like celebrates too much, you know? <laughs> um and she was talking about a five-year-old, and I was like, that's me, too. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dirtcast. And thanks again to Amy Vinciguerra for coming to the studio and talking to us about like all these wonderful Us Weekly stories. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp with editorial oversight by Kate Drees. Mandana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Brad Fisher. Want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think? Hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes. 